You're listening to The Long Game Podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Scaiano. And if you are a course creator or membership site owner, you need to pay attention to today's episode. One of the questions I get asked from creators is, how do I make my content in my course or membership better? And there are really so many factors that go into a successful course or membership. And content is surely one of them, but it's also about the entire experience you provide. So making your course transformational relies on attention to content as well as experience. And this topic is near and dear to my heart because it is the crux of the work that I do with my clients. So if you want to do better with your course or membership site, you got to listen in to today's conversation. I am joined by instructional designer Leslie Clavijo, and over the past 20 years, she has taught thousands of people in person and online. She's taken her experience with environmental design and instructional design and applied it to courses and group coaching programs. You know, not all people know how to teach or understand how to help their students get results. And Leslie's philosophy is that teaching is more than just the transfer of information. It's about the entire learner's experience. And that's where she comes in, and she shows her clients how to implement database systems, instructional design elements, and simple structure so that every single student gets the transformation that was promised to them. And with that comes more impact and more income for you, the creator. So we talk super actionable today. You know, we talk about what you can include in your programs to help your students transform including how intentional milestones help move students through content. We talk ideas for supporting materials for your programs. And Leslie really drops so many good ideas here for ways that you can go beyond video in your modules. And we also talk about the concept of like thinking about creating your program content just like you create your marketing content. And this was a really cool idea that opened me up and gave me some ideas for myself as well. You know, the course process, it's an evolution, and we all have our starting point, and then we work to keep making it better and our students more successful. So, you know, what we're talking about today are things that you can do at any stage. And the most important part, of course, is just to get started, and then you can can refine from there. The long game is turn your course from transactional to transformational with Leslie Clavijo. In a world where everyone is doing, it's easy to get lost in a sea of comparison, secret tricks, and promises of overnight success. The long game? That's my approach to business. You gotta show up, you gotta do the work, and there are no quick fixes for long-term success. It takes creativity, it takes strategy, and it takes listening to the voice inside you. I'm a web designer, digital strategist, and energetic thinker, bringing you real-world business-building experiences, conversations with creators who are out there doing it now, and ideas to spark the energy in your own business. And along the way, we're going to have a little bit of fun as well. So thanks for being here, and let's get to today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of The Long Game Podcast. I am so excited for today. You know, we talk a lot here about courses and memberships, and 
I work under the belief that courses and memberships are experiences. And this is the whole premise of my peak framework, where we account for every step of the customer journey along the way. And I often get asked, how can I make my course better? You know, people are always asking, how can they improve that? And we're answering that question here today. I am joined by instructional designer, Leslie Clavejo, who believes that teaching is more than just the transformation of information. It's about the entire learner's experience. So welcome, Leslie. I'm so excited to have you here today. I am so excited to be here, Sandra. Thank you so much for having me. And like everybody, we go way back, Leslie and I. So she has had her eyes on my course, my soon-to-be-coming-out course, maybe at the same time as this, the Peak Framework. So I intimately know how Leslie works and how her mind thinks on the details of the course. It's so interesting because people, they, they're not, and not everybody's a teacher is really what it comes down to. People are experts, but not everybody's a teacher. So like, let's talk a little bit about one, how you got into this and how that also formed your, your philosophy and how that's come through into the work that you do. Yeah. So there's kind of a couple of different things. So first of all, I was never a great student in school. Like I almost flunked out of high school because of algebra. I had multiple algebra teachers. And like you said, you can still have a teaching degree. You can be an expert in things, but you just might not be the right teacher for the right person. I like to mention that because you and I both always hear, well, there's a million people teaching this or teaching that. Well, Everybody needs that teacher that can really help that learner succeed. And so I had multiple teachers in algebra and I kept failing. And then finally, I got this one teacher that was just absolutely amazing. And lo and behold, I was able to pass algebra. So going way back, I was never great at school. And I always kind of knew that something was up, but I didn't quite know. So lo and behold, I dropped out of college because I was really, really struggling. And I found out that it was likely I had ADHD. But just like most people with ADHD, I was like, oh, okay, cool, I might have it. But then I just kind of forgot about it and didn't go through like the official diet. Didn't do anything about it, right. I'm just living with that premise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead, I was just like, okay, cool, I'll move to Europe. That sounds great. So that's kind of that thing. But funny enough, when I moved to Europe, I got married and moved to Europe with my husband. I There were very limited jobs on the Army base. And I got into childcare. I'd been a nanny before for many years. And so I got into childcare. And that is when I really started learning about more than just teaching. Because when you work with really young children, it is about the experience. It's about everything. It's about the sight, the smell, the all of the senses. We're providing them with, you know, experiences throughout the day. We're not just sitting at desk and like presenting them with information. They're little, you know. Here's another ditto. <laughs> exactly. Here's another worksheet to, to just draw. No, none of that. In fact, we weren't even allowed to give the kids worksheets. So it really challenged me to think about education differently, working with such young children. And so that's where my passion really, really started. I came back home after, or we moved back home, and this was right when online education kind of started, especially in college. And so I re-enrolled in a program that was online only. And that's where I found my success. 
I had such a hard time learning in a traditional classroom, having to like focus while there were a million people in the room. It felt like a million people and I was always distracted looking. Anybody that has a learning disability can probably relate. And so that online learning environment back in the stone, like dark ages, was what <laughs> helped me succeed. I mean, I don't even barely remember it now, but I know it was nothing like what we have now. And so yeah. I was able to actually go from being a college dropout to come back to school. I had a really young child. So I was able to learn, you know, virtually. And that is when I was like, this is really cool. I can be successful. And so, you know, the past few years, online learning is not just for college students. It's not just for, you know, teachers for elementary, high school and all that. Like we as experts now have access to platforms like Kajabi. I know you love Kajabi. I love Kajabi too. But multiple platforms to be able to package our expertise, put it online and put it in a platform and, you know, help other people. But the key is not everybody's a teacher and you don't have to be a teacher, but there are things that people with experience in education know that can help you improve your client experience and also your client results. Yeah. And when you improve that experience, you create, I love how you just stated, it comes with more impact and more income. And I always want to support the fact that we want to make an impact, but we also want to make income. And so when you are thinking about your course being transformational, you really want to hit all of these points. You're not just packaging it and throwing it up there. And so that's what I really love about the work that you do. You've actually created, we'll have links to this in the show notes, but the premium program audit where you now take your eyes and look over other people's courses, you know, as an instructional designer and are able to say, hey, do this, do that. And we're going to go through the six essential ingredients that you really need to pay attention to. But it's so important to just think about it holistically rather than just saying, here it is, I'm putting it up there. Yeah, 100%. And when, like, I agree with you, we want to make a bigger impact because, of course, we want to help as many people as we can. But at the end of the day, the income is coming from people having success, number one, because your testimonies are your biggest marketing piece. And not only that, they'll spread the word for you. Mm -hmm. If your course really helped them, they are going to spread the word to their friends. They're going to send you referrals. And the only way that that happens is that if it's not just a transaction, not just a transfer of information, but they're truly getting the transformation that you promised. Yeah, definitely. All right. So let's hop into, let's do some, you know, make it actionable here for us. We're going to talk about the six essential ingredients to turn your program from transactional to transformational. So let's go to number one, really be intentional. So what do you mean by intentional milestones? A lot of times people just kind of take the information that they're wanting to teach people and they just plop it in. I've seen 30 minute videos. I've seen hour long videos. They don't really have that intention behind it. People don't really know what they're supposed to be doing, what is going to mark that they've had success after they've watched that specific video or read that lesson. And so it's really important that everything is designed with intention. So uh, intention, 
can go so many different ways. But when we're talking about that, it means like just think about how you consume information. Think about how you learn and be intentional about how you're actually designing and creating the content within your course. Like how many people have an hour to sit down and watch one lesson? I mean, there might be 20 hour lessons. And here's the thing. Most course platforms don't save where you've left off unless you mm-hmm. completed the lesson. And so you want to be really intentional about the design, about how much people can actually intake, how much time people actually have and create those lessons so that people can come in, they can watch a lesson, complete it, and then come back later and complete the next one. That's one thing. But the other thing goes into the milestones. If I come into your course and I'm like, just the very first video is just like jump right in and start learning. And I don't even really know where I'm at and where I'm going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It can be very confusing. And one of the things that a lot of people miss the mark on is having no milestones. It's like, okay, in their marketing, they're promising all of these things. You're going to have this transformation. Well, what's the journey to get that transformation? And you exactly. can write milestones differently. You can have it in your onboarding module, like all of that, but you can also break them down into even smaller milestones. So each lesson is building up to that big milestone. And so you have smaller milestones that are going to help you reach that bigger milestone. So there's lots of different ways to do it, but the absence of them is a problem because then people do not know how to get to that, the outcome that they desire. That makes sense. Yeah. And I think you bring up a few really interesting points. One thing that I've started doing with clients is we state how long the modules are. Like it's going to take you, you need 19 minutes and it's broken down this way so that people can decide, all right, I can jump in at that point, you know, in terms of knowing their time frame, And I feel like every one of my clients and their courses they're marketing to busy people, right? Yeah. Nobody just really, nobody, we don't know any lottery winners. So <laughs> we're like, I can do whatever all day. So that's a real important piece in their success and being able to gauge their time. So they can say, oh, I know how much time I'm going to be able to devote to this and I can hop in and make like a schedule, so to speak on that. Yeah. 100%. And definitely the milestone piece. I love that because it helps along the way to also help people check in. Yeah. Like, okay, what am I supposed to get out of this piece? And that can look a lot of different ways. That can be an assessment. That can just even be a, I, I love sometimes to the, let's recap this. Okay. It just can even be a recap. Like, hey, boom, boom, boom. You now should understand these five things. Oh, okay. Did I get that? Oh, I need to go back. If I didn't understand one of them, I missed it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And I think, you know, that's, you bring up such good points on there's different ways to do that as well. You know, we can do that through our videos. We can do that through just a text explanation or a, a worksheet download that is like, this is the things you should have a grasp of afterwards. So, yeah, I think a lot of times people just think because we're, most of us grew up in the same education, uh, education. What am I trying to say? Most of us have the same type of experience with education where to, in order to, to hit a milestone, you take a test. It's like, okay, you comprehend the information and here's a quiz or test or whatever. And that's not necessarily what we have to do. Now, there's a time and a place for quizzes and tests. You can absolutely have those if your program calls for needing to be able to make sure that the learner comprehends and understands. 
But there's other ways to gauge milestones and online learning, especially for those of us that aren't teaching college courses or high school or whatever. And that can come through exactly all of those things you just mentioned. The other thing with intention, I'll just touch on this really, really fast, is I've seen so many courses where people just think that the longer or the more, the better. And that is not the case. Like, if you can teach me something fast, like, I'll pay you more money for that. Like, leave out all the extras, be intentional, and just give them what they need to succeed. You don't have to just throw in stuff to make your course more valuable. Yeah, I am loving that. That is a lesson you taught me about editing. Edit it down. And we hear about signature courses. But that doesn't mean throw everything in there. It can be a signature course that's just really with a specific transformation in mind. So I love that. And the whole intentional piece, we've touched a lot on number two in one of the essential ingredients, which are objectives, tasks, and supporting materials. You know, you've got to think about all of those things to support your intention, right? Yeah, 100%. And here's the thing. So I was just doing an an audit for a course and this particular person had some supporting material, but it was in the form of like a 200 page PDF. It's huge. (laughs) And so I hopped into the course and I'm like, I got this PDF pulled up and I'm trying to follow along and trying to like figure out what deliverable goes with what. And so this, like all of the pieces to the premium program pie kind of intersect with each other. That goes into also being intentional about your deliverables as well. You know what I mean? So we do have to pay attention to that and make sure that whatever learning materials we're providing make sense and they're located in the right spot. They're located in the place where they're going to need them. Otherwise, when I saw that download, I was like, I'm overwhelmed. Shut Mm -hmm. down completely. (laughs) I'm like a computer shut down completely. I mean, that's a whole book on its own. You don't mean, you know, separate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, you can be clever about those supporting materials. One thing that I tell my clients, like not everybody sees everything that you do. So we'll even repurpose. If you've done a great reel that really drives home this information, like upload it in there. Like let someone watch a minute and a half that you of information that you may have put on another platform. You know, I think repurposing some of that information can really go far for you as a creator and already and supplementing what the learner is experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So number three in the premium program pie, which this kind of, I wanted to mention this in number one, actually, but it's inclusive and safe environments that support all learning styles. So I almost feel like this just blankets everything. Yeah. So Here's the thing. Like when I started in childcare, we are mandated by whatever state we're in, right? And there are checklists. They come in, they come in with a checklist, the state, and make sure that we are creating inclusive environments. But in the, in our programs, entrepreneurs, we don't really have that checklist. Nobody really tells us what inclusivity means. And I am by no means, I'm going to say this right now. I am by no means the expert on like creating inclusive environments. I do know enough. But I would definitely say if you want to really make sure that you touch all of those inclusivity touch points, that you hire an expert that is an absolute expert in inclusivity and diversity, because that is not me. I do know enough to be able to say, hey, this program is not inclusive at all. And I'll give you <laughs> so again, I have ADHD. 
I typically need subtitles to be able to process information. I learned this a long time ago. It keeps my attention and it also helps me understand and process the information that's coming in. Because when I'm just watching a person's face and there's no slides, there's no kind of visuals attached to it, I space out. I have nothing to... Let me see if I can explain this in a way that makes sense. Visuals, either words or pictures, help create like deeper pathways in my brain and, and, and help me remember concepts because I have a visual to go along with it. It's not that I can't hear and I need subtitles, but there are a lot of people out there that are hearing impaired and need subtitles. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that I can personally speak on. So again, I did this audit and a transcript was provided. Now, that's great if you have nothing else (laughs) that you can do, but I'm going to tell you the difference for me in transcripts and subtitles. If I'm being asked to listen to a video or watch a video, I'm trying to focus on the speaker And then I have a transcript in my hand that I'm trying to look at at the same time. And then maybe there's a PDF to go along. That is too much. Like uh, you've lost me. Like I need to be able to see you speak and at least have the words on the screen. If you can't have subtitles, if you don't know how to do them, at least have slides so that we can, we don't need to see every word. Well, people with hearing impairments do, but I have audited courses where it's just somebody speaking and that's, not inclusive for those of us with anything. And in this day and age, (laughs) there are so many tools and ways you can figure out getting subtitles on there as well. Yeah. And I've seen, again, going back to the transcript thing, I've seen that in so many courses and I think people think that's inclusive, but it's really makes it even harder. (laughs) It's it's an option for certain people who do like to read the material. Even for my podcast, you know, podcasts, we put the transcription up there. It can't be the only vehicle to accessibility though. Exactly. If people want to have that for sure. Let me ask you a question because this is like a technical piece. Yeah. You know, so you're talking about the visual and like, let's say it's a screen share. It's not just a head shot with a person talking. Does it bother you that if the words are covering anything or is there anything about that, that you would recommend for people? Yeah, I would say if it's covering what you're doing, that that would be a problem. So we have to be really creative. And there are different softwares. Like I know Descript, for example, you can place subtitles wherever you want it. And it could be that you're going to have to do a little extra editing, maybe move that subtitle somewhere else during that time that maybe it's covering something. But yeah, because you and I both have done a lot of teaching, like tech teaching, and you have to be very careful of that. So yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. Yeah. I'm glad that you brought up some resources for that as well. All right. So let's go on to number four, which is really about being inspirational and like in your course, communicating this future vision for students, you know, that like inspiring them to keep moving through the course material so that they get to the transformation. Yeah. And again, I have audited some really amazing courses where, again, there can be different types of courses where the material is all written. But right now, I'm really speaking on like video because most of us have video-based courses yeah. or even audio. I've listened to some really boring ones. And when I say boring, it's like monitor. It's like, you know, the Charlie Brown teacher. Womp, 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 womp. You have to bring your energy and personality to these videos, even if you really don't have 
if, if that's your natural personality to be kind of monotone, that's great and all, but you ha- you have to kind of put on your actress actor like <laughs> yeah. like face, you know, and personality. So that's one thing. You have to really inspire them and through voice and through how you show up on camera. That's one of many ways to do it. The other ways to include inspiration is to really think about where people are getting stuck in your program and adding in some like mindset modules or even just mindset notes, sometimes some quotes, things like that to just keep them going, letting them know that, okay, we know that this is a part where most people get stuck. And let me give you some inspiration. Let me give you some motivation here to keep you moving forward. So again, there are a lot of ways that you can create inspiration inside your course. But those are a couple that I just wanted to throw out there today. Yeah, I love that idea. One of the things that I teach is using automations at this Mm -hmm. point. If there's a hard module or you know that it's the tough lesson, whether it's the module before or even the end of that module, you can automate an email that goes to them so that whatever timing they're in, you know, if it's not, you know, everybody's not in the same place at the same time, but when they finish the module before, they get an email from you that says, all right, you're doing great. And upcoming next, like, I want you to exhale when it gets hard. Here's how to reach out for support, whatever it is. You can customize that knowing that like, the next module is the big step for that. But lean on those automations. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad you brought up automations because different platforms can do different things. And I know that Kajabi can, like when some, when an action occurs, like a lesson's complete, can send out an email. But there's other platforms too out there that can trigger like celebrations or can release new content. And so the particular one I use releases, like I can set a, it, I can't customize it, but it basically does like a, confetti pop and gives them a little message right there on screen. And uh, oftentimes I correlate a bonus. And when I say a bonus, now we don't want to overwhelm them <laughs> with more information. Right, right, right. Now you've got three hours more of work. <laughs> I, we do something fun that they're just like, yay, you're like, this is a cool little thing. Or it can be, and you can do anything. You could send an Amazon, $10 Amazon gift card. You could do like I have a printable planner that it's not more work for them, but if they want it, they can print it out and they can use it. And it has really not, it doesn't have a ton to do with the content. It's just something fun. Or you can release like a bonus content that's going to help propel them in that specific lesson that they're in. The other thing I've done too lately is I go into Canva and I create like gifts, like automated gifts. And so you can do this pretty much in any platform. So the last lesson or whenever they hit a milestone, they go into a lesson and they see like a, like an automated gift that's celebrating that they've made it to that point in the program. And all of that is, is just creating it in Canva and then just putting it in a lesson inside of any course like platform. Yeah. Those are such good ideas. And you know, it is about that morale. You want to inspire people to keep going. And we know that as experts, we are asking people to do the hard work a lot of times, you know, like it's not just, you know, even a watercolor class can be frustrating, right? Because I'm not, I don't feel I can get this or something, but we're really asking people to do this hard work to get to the transformation. So paying extra attention to those sticking points is really one of the most important things you can do. Yeah. And I feel like so many people do a lot of these things. Like I was talking about creating gifts and you were talking about like creating short videos or 
people spend so much time doing that in the marketing because they want to get the sale. Well, you still have to sell people in your program to complete your program. So take your knowledge of how you do content creation, those skills, and use it in a different way inside of your program. And so that people are actually inspired and they are like wanting to move forward. And you're, again, like a lot of times people think the sale is after you get the money that the transaction and that's not true you have to keep on selling your content when they're in there to make them keep yeah we talk a lot about the customer journey does not end at the sale the customer journey it starts before the sale but it really ramps up you know one of the things i always say is make sure you have an answer to what's next even if you don't know oh, that's this program. It, it could be get on my email list, stay in my world, whatever it is. But that goes to show the value of the relationship, right? Like when people want to say, hey, okay, this was great. It was transformational. What's next, Leslie? Well, you know, that means they did have success and they want to stay in your world some way. Um, so you having an answer to what's next is part of that customer journey, even at the very end. So you can guide them into that next piece. And that's so funny because that is one thing. There's two things that I see left out a lot. Number one, like an onboarding welcome module and then a what's next module. And those are two things that I include in my notes every time I audit. It's like, okay, so what's next? And like you said, you might not know. And this particular audit that I'm still working on right now, it's they get a free ticket to a live event. Well, are you selling it in there? Because not selling it for money. Are you selling the fact that they need to come? They need to show up. What do they need to do next? Do they need to book their ticket? Like, Do they need to reserve their ticket? Do they need to book their flight? When do they need to do all these things? None of that was in there. And they were like, we're not getting a good conversion for these people that we give the free tickets to. And I'm like, well, because in the content, it doesn't tell anybody why they should show up. <laughs> what they need. Right. And it is an effort to show up live. <laughs> so different, right? You've got to make all these logistical plans. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I agree with you 100% on the onboarding and what's next piece. I mean, in my peak framework, E, P E A K, E is entry. I have a whole module on just how to get people into your course. It's so important because it creates engagement with your content if you bring them in the right way. And it also makes less customer service requests, which the majority of us are solopreneurs. So, you know, not only for the customer journey, but for this is where I say it's an experience for both the student as well as the business owner. Make courses a good experience for yourself as well by providing all this information. Yeah. Which is a perfect lead into you know, number six in the premium program pie, which is intuitive, you know, systems and things that track engagement or progression and action. Yeah. And we've, again, it's funny because just like in a pie, when you mix all these things together, they all overlap. And that's, we've touched on some things that make a program intuitive. Like you were talking about automations, but also like gone are the days where you just upload everything to like a Wistia or a Vimeo account and you like send like access to your, cause that's actually the oh way I gosh, yes. first on the course or upload it all to Google drive. These course platforms are so intuitive now and affordable. There's no reason you should not be using an intuitive platform. And so when we talk about this, there's just so many different things you can do. You can again, 
create automations, create quizzes that are intuitive, that are telling them like which path to go to next, what they should be focused on next. There are, oh, just like you said, tracking engagement. I'm trying to think of all the things, putting in customer satisfaction surveys that are intuitive instead of like asking people to like email you if they have feedback or whatever, just making things so easy and having everything in the platform itself. Like we don't want people having to bounce all over to all these different places because one of the things that's really important about our online environments is that we want to keep them there for as long as they want to stay there. <laughs> as soon as you get them off the, pl- like outside of your course platform, probably not coming back for a while. You know, they're getting distracted by other things. So we want the environment to be intuitive so that basically they can watch the lesson, read the lesson, read it, whatever. And then go on to the next lesson and know when things are marked and completed. So there's so many different ways to make your course intuitive. But the I would say the key is making sure that you are choosing a course platform. And they're all really great. They all and we I know you get this question all the time, like, which one should I use? Again, love Kajabi. But there are so many ones out there that that are intuitive. You just need one. <laughs> right. And they're at all different price points. Yeah. I think I always tell people like, what is most important to you? Is it the design aesthetic? Is it, you know, once you start enumerating what is important in terms of what you need for your course platform, then you can pick those tools easiest in that. Exactly. And, you know, I wanted to also say in terms of these systems and having this course platform and having everything in the course platform as well. We have to remember that people are coming from all over the world. Yeah. People are in different time zones and complete different time zones. So even if they're sending in a comment, hey, I can't find this. If they're coming from Australia and you live in the United States on Eastern time, you are a complete day in time zone difference from them, right? And so they're not getting an answer very quickly. So the, right. you know, the idea too for this is about letting people go through, you know, when you plan this out well, people get to find what they need and interact with your content without having to ask for it. Yeah. And also one thing to mention, because one of the reasons why I created the audit is because sometimes people don't tell you. Sometimes people just give up. Like they get frustrated, let's say, and there, let's be honest, like there are people with zero tech abilities and when I talk about zero tech, like it confuses them. And this is not a knock at anybody. This is 100%. Just what happens is that some people literally get confused if they click on a link and it opens in another window and they don't know where it's opening at because they're expecting to click on something and it pop up in front of them. And so even things just as little as that are things that during an audit, I'd be like, this could confuse a learner. And when, when why I'm explaining this is that there are people who are going to fill out your surveys or are going to email in and they're going to say, Hey, I'm really confused or where's this located? Like here recently, I've noticed that people, we did a redesign on one of the programs I work with and all of a sudden people were like, I can't find where to download stuff. And I'm just like, why can't they find where to, this has never been a problem before. <laughs> so the designer had used a different feature, had used a different setup. Layout is the best way to explain it for, for each lesson, which made the download buttons appear way below the fold. Like you had to scroll through the written content and people weren't scrolling enough. And so 
number one, depending on your screen size, if you're on a phone, you're like, they're scrolling for a while. And so I was like, why am I getting these, why am I getting this feedback again and again for this program? And that's when I realized it was like, our buttons used to be way more obvious and now they're not. And that was the difference. And so anyways, I'm I'm trying to figure out, what was I talking about? (laughs) No, but to that point, to that point, you have to think about the desktop and mobile experience because- A lot of people do access these courses on their phone and the way that it works in the web, things stack. So on a desktop, the downloads might be right here in the right sidebar. And then on mobile, they are all the way at the bottom underneath the comments because of the way things stack in mobile and responsive design. So I actually make sure if they have a lot of PDFs or downloads in a a program, I will write that in the text. We're referencing this. Go to the right on desktop or scroll all the way to the bottom on mobile, like giving them directions for that. Yeah. And again, like I don't want anybody who's a new course creator to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. I have to do all these things. Again, that's why you have people like Sandra and myself to help you do this. You let me say it this way. Your course is never done. (laughs) You're going to continuously improve your course over time. It's just never done. And I remember what I was talking about before. What I was gonna say is that like what we were talking about, if somebody was in Australia and emails in, not everybody that gets frustrated will email in. In fact, the more fresh, the more people will probably just stop taking your course. They'll just stop and they'll just not finish it. And that in itself is a big problem. So we want to make sure that we're creating an environment that is, again, intuitive, but also that works well for all the learners. And there are ways to figure out what's not going right. Number one, through an audit. Number two, through your surveys. And then improving it without having to like throw everything out. Like you said, you just put a note under it. There's like simple things you can do. It doesn't have to be like a big, I'm going to like overhaul the whole program. You could even create, this is what I did for this program, video that says, hey, like, when you're on in each lesson, this is where the PDFs are located. Make sure you're scrolling down. And it was just a quick video. So I don't want anybody to feel overwhelmed on like, oh my gosh, like I have to do all these things. Courses are never done. They evolve. They're like any other product. You're going to keep adding and removing and redoing. And that's just, if you plan on selling this program for a while, that's just part of it. That's what you're going to have to do. Right. And you've got to start somewhere. And you know, another piece that you made me think of was everyone's got to also consider their audience as well. Like who is in your audience? You know, who is your course targeted to? If they're targeted to young tech people, like they're going to intuitively know things versus maybe, you know, I have clients who have their clients, their students are 70 years old. And so we explain things in a different way because they may not know this new program and not being ageist, just really saying, make sure, you know, before COVID, I always say like COVID did a world of wonder for online learning because it forced so many people online for everything. Like Zoom became so common. Everyone knows how to use Zoom. I have clients who we would do Zoom tutorials to say like, okay, we hold our Q and A's on Zoom. Here's how to get a Zoom account. Then here's how to attend a meeting in Zoom. Like here's how to do a Zoom if you are on your mobile device, if you're on your phone, right? So we used to do all of these things that people didn't know. Now it's kind of part of the vernacular, you know? But we really tailored because we didn't want people to miss that or feel like, hey, 
I don't know how to do that, so I'm just not going to come to the Q&As. Like, that's a big part of the program. What are you talking about, right? So it's so interesting how knowing your audience and then also, like, as time evolves and what we're all exposed to becomes a part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a good point. But I also want to touch on, too, like... You and I are about the same age. I don't know your exact age, but I think we're about the same age. And we didn't grow up with like cell phones in our hand. Like I was in, I think my twenties when cell phones became like a big thing and Facebook came out and all that. So funny enough, when I was a director of a childcare center, like I wasn't even that good at like computers or email or anything. I was like, I had no like tech experience. And so over time, like people can learn it, you know? So I, that's one of the things I want people to understand like that. Yes, definitely focus on who your audience is. If you're serving like super techie people, then you probably aren't going to have to teach as much. But for those of us that didn't grow up like in the tech era or, you know, we're still learning, then it's definitely an opportunity to make sure that you're being patient. Number one, that's one thing I see a lot of people that are just so impatient. Like, why can't they understand where things are? You have to look at everything, not from you as the creator or you as the teacher, or you as the instructor, but as you as the student, you, totally. you as the person in there experiencing that and then think, oh yeah, okay, now I see why they're having this issue. So anyways. That is the best point, is to remove yourself from your own experience, right? create it. And, and that's also why we say, like, get other people in, do a beta launch, like all these things to like get people to experience your content and go through it. This has been amazing. You've really, you've brought so many things to light and there's so much people can do and think about for their own programs here. I also want to encourage everyone. Leslie is amazing to work with. She's so down to earth and really picks out those pieces for you. So definitely check out her premium program audit. It's at leslieclavejo.com slash VIPs, which of course we'll have a link on the proper spelling in the show notes. Definitely check that out and see if that's something, you know, you want your eyes on her. And there's an opportunity there for you to just make yourself better, make your program better. And she'll give you a whole rundown on, hey, here's my thoughts on how you can improve this. And she will also help you if you need help in getting those things taken care of. So Leslie, you are amazing. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Way about you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, old school. We're going to have to have like a happy hour one day. (laughs) I'm down. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. I hope you got a lot out of this. This is one to share again with all of your people who have courses and membership sites and really want to make that experience the best. So if you know someone who could use this, please share it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. See you next week, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining me today. You can access more information, links mentioned in this episode and the show notes at thelonggamepodcast.net. If today's show connected with you in some way, please share it with your friends or hop on and leave a review. Both of these make a really big difference. All right, until next time, keep playing the long game.